Hey there, Share Bears. Remember that sharing is caring, so please share this podcast with your friends. And also, we'd like to remind you to share your dollar, if you're able. And donate to some of the many organizations that are helping to amplify and defend Black voices and communities. Nat, could you share a few of those organizations with us? Well, a few of the big ones are Campaign Zero, the ACLU, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, Black Lives Matter. And then there's your local bail and freedom funds. The Bail Project, which is a national revolving bail fund. And am I forgetting any, Cass? Only a lot, I'm sure. If you go to our bio on Instagram, there's a link to a wonderful list of resources that you can donate to and learn more about. So check it out and keep fighting and keep unlearning racism and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Time for another shared history. Shared history tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. <laughs> is is the opening tag I decided to go with today. <laughs> and I'm not upset about it. <laughs> right before I started talking, I looked down into my cat's eyes and thought, you can do this, Natalie. <laughs> Um, Natalie starts every day by staring into Marie Curie's eyes and just saying, Natalie, you can do this. This was this was Sir Isaac Newton and oh. um, actually his butt's facing me. So, but uh, but on butts, that note, <laughs> I'm your host, Natalie Unger. I'm your other host, Cass Maher. Uh, as always, but on mute, we have your. Darling, dearest, DJ Rip, Rip, and today a very special guest. We have local writer and business owner, local to us, maybe not to you. I don't know. We have listeners in Australia. Who knows? Yeah, writer and business owner Lindsay Rice. Whoop whoop! Hello. Lindsay, uh, thanks for joining us through the power of the internet while we're all still locked in our homes. Yes, this is my greatest joy right now, so thank you for having me. (laughs) That's what shared history is about, just giving the average person homework to do so that... (laughs) When we were were talking about um, integrating guests into the show, we're like... How can we do this where we're not just giving people homework? <laughs> and little did we know people would be so grateful for the homework at this particular time. Which is why, as we, as Natalie and I were saying earlier, we only let nerds on because we love doing homework. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, I'm calling Please. you a nerd. It's lovely to meet you. <laughs> thank you. That's actually my title on LinkedIn. So thank you. Perfect. 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 Good. Be good for keyword search. <laughs> Uh, well, you guys at this point have heard, uh, I'm speaking to our listeners, of course, now, uh, have 
heard a couple guest apps, so you know the drill. Uh, we're doing, just going to pass it to our, our our good pal, Lindsay, and she's going to... Well, first of all, Lindsay, can I ask, unrelated to your topic or related, are you, like, what history are you into? Um, first of all, no, you may not ask that. <laughs> okay, but, cool. cool. Um, Respect cool, her cool. privacy. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I'm a huge history nerd. I love, I love especially like weird local history. I love like the stories that like exactly what your podcast is all about stuff that you've not little known stories that you haven't heard before, like going on, like being on like drunk history would be a dream because some, some of those are big stories, but some of them are really small, like the things that you would never have thought of. So um, I was a local reporter in Chicago for a few years, and this kind of became a, a thing that I did for a while was was trying to write about or, you know, all this like the weird stuff that ha- that happened 100 years ago to recently. And so I love all sorts of crazy I love stuff. that stuff. And that's like Natalie came up and she was like, I want to do, you know, lesser known history, history of marginalized people or people that don't get the page count. But right. also – those tend to be the quote-unquote like little stories stories we don't ever hear about or seem like you know niche or whatever but usually those are the most like relatable ones because like not everyone is like cool you're an old white dude who fought a war great we've heard that one before it doesn't apply to me not everyone's an old white dude turns (laughs) out darn it well and i think like those stories continue to be thought of as like those small like niche stories or or whatever because of like stuff like this it's like who gets to write the history book yeah you know who you know so those continue to be like those smaller things when really they're probably just as prevalent and prolific and historically significant and funny and cool and sad and tragic as everything else it's just a certain portion is what gets told because that's you know it's just power and privilege type of fun stuff and we're supposed to learn from history how are we supposed to learn from history if we're not hearing all of it Right. Whoa, that was deep, Cass. That was me talking to myself just now. I'm going to write that down. Cass gets, Cass gets one actually prolific remark in every episode, and she burned it real fast. I burned it real early, but I'm putting it on a shirt. We're getting merch soon. It's pretty, it was pretty solid. Uh, yeah, I and also just because you mentioned uh, Drunk History, like... There are stories that that we've covered that have also been on there, but it's like obviously different, telling right. the story different ways. Um, the, like I think I think there's a drunk history episode with Sybil Luddington, who was one of the very first stories that we told, and I think is a great example of um, of just like history books not mentioning a thing that isn't necessarily small potatoes. Like mm-hmm. she did basically the same thing as Paul Revere arguably better and more effectively <laughs> and right. efficiently uh, since he stopped to have a pint. Uh, and like, just, but like, that's not the story we need to do. We need to tell Paul Revere's story is like, well, and then we talk about like mythos, like the whole point of Sybil Luddington versus Paul Revere is like mythology of like, let's rally the people. And no one back then wanted to follow a 16 year old girl. Right, exactly. It's like it's like playing this like long game of telephone by by the end, like today, what we know of it, 
like how do, how closely does that actually match up with what what has happened and like how is like just like this legend and this myth created historical telephone there's something there we're putting it on a shirt too we have to start it now and then see where it ends up in like 50 yes. years okay. that's yeah. like a time capsule kind of yeah there you go uh, anyway, <laughs> however, however, we all we all follow sixteen year old girls now. It's called TikTok. Exactly. Who's a popular so singer? True. I don't know. Ask Ariana Grande. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Ask ask the youths. I was just gonna say that. Uh, <laughs> that's why we're not allowed to be in the same state right now. Oh, Cass. I was <laughs> mandated to leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cass is Cass is recording from Iowa. Ooh, uh, okay, okay. Um, Lindsay, just just because I know, and I may as well share the knowledge because it's what this podcast is all about. Uh, you used to you wrote for DNA Info. Yes. Oh no way! Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was a reporter with DNA Info for about four years. I covered the um, far north side, Edgewater. Rogers Park, West Ridge, and then a little bit of like Andersonville and Uptown, and and then especially when I would do history stories, that would be more of like a citywide type of thing. Or if I found something cool in another neighborhood, I would just go for it. I bring it up because I love and miss DNA info every day. Oh yeah, what's what's DNA info for our readers at home? DNA info was a local news site that had a horrible name. And um, <laughs> someone would send me articles. I'd be like, I don't want science. Right. No. People would call, people would call the office all the time and be like, I need to get my DNA tested. And they'd be like, OK, you well. are the father. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was supposed to stand for something like digital news and information. Or that's what we told people anyway. But it was named it was named by uh, out of touch billionaire who later closed down the company. So. Um, but it was a hyper-local news uh, organization in Chicago where the reporters were split up into the neighborhoods and you would have a beat of, you know, two, three, four maybe neighborhoods that you specifically covered. And um, you kind of treated it like you wrote like a newspaper sort of for your own area. And it, it was, was really a cool. really great um, publication. When I first moved to Chicago, I like knew nothing about the city I had no clue what was going on. Uh, politics in Des Moines are not as, as you know, whirlwindy as Chicago. And someone mm-hmm. like was like, you should follow DNA Info. And I followed him on Facebook. And I was like, oh, I know what's going on now. <laughs> it was such a great publication. I loved it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. It, it, was, it was a special uh, moment in history that I'm lucky to have been a part of it. And that's that- kind of what got me started on this whole journey anyway, so... That another moment in history that was ruined by an out of touch uh, rich person. Yes, uh, history repeats. Uh, yep. <laughs> now I desperately, especially during uh, the during the shelter in place, I cling to every block uh, with every fiber of my being for any news. Oh yeah, yeah, and and they have next door now too, which yeah. but I was never approved to be in it. So I don't know what's going on in there. <laughs> they um, rejected you as a neighbor. <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, no, we don't want her. No. We shun you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said like local history is kind of your favorite stuff. Um, what are you bringing to us today? Okay. So 
Um, today I have one of my favorite stories, and I feel like this is a really great example of like what you guys were talking about earlier in terms of like the, some of those marginalized voices, the stuff that you don't get to hear about that much. Um, so I think this is a really good one. This is about the origin of the makeup company Maybelline. Ooh. And how it came to be. Um, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It was. I love a good spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> it was born in Chicago in Edgewater. Um, so I found out about this story actually. It was really interesting. Um, a guy in Chicago started an online museum for things that were made in Chicago. And he basically just like catalogs online all of these different inventions and all the, all the things that came from Chicago and writes like a little history about it. He even maps out like all the old manufacturing buildings and stuff like that. So I was like, oh cool, what was made in, what's been made in Edgewater that people might recognize. And this was, um, I was like, oh, Maybelline, that's crazy. So I looked into it, and, and it actually turned out to have a really interesting history. So, okay. Here we go. <laughs> oh, we we dig in. in. I also want to say uh, none, this isn't hashtag branded content for Maybelline, but, like, if Maybelline wants to give us them Mabel bucks, then Mabel B will talk about it. Hashtag, hashtag Maybelline will be in touch. Ooh. We found it. We got there. <laughs> um, okay, trademarking that word. Okay. Um, <laughs> we don't know how much we can say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this started um, in the early 1900s. Like, this was in Edgewater, or actually at the time, this was probably in Uptown. So there's a family living. This is before, this is 15 years before the Great Depression. This is really. Um, leading up to the roaring 20s and like everything is pretty gravy right now in Chicago. So can I pause you for a hot sec? Not all of our listeners are local in the Chicago's, uh, which is a word I'll never say again. Thank you. Uh, uh, Can you I feel like for if you use the word uptown, kind of in the name, but uh, can you explain uh, geographically where we're at? Yes, for those who might not know. Yeah, so um, on the north side of Chicago, um, you know, Chicago is is like this long strip. So downtown is like right in the middle, and uptown is further up toward the top, toward the toward the tip. And Edgewater <laughs> and uh, uptown are two neighborhoods that are right next to each other. They butt up against each other. And during this time in Chicago, they were actually pretty affluent neighborhoods. Um, Hence the name Uptown was like very like uptown, schnazzy type of deal. This is where Charlie Chaplin was starting to make, you know, movies for his silent <gasps> films and, and stuff. Yeah. So it's a really, really interesting neighborhood with a with a great history. And Edgewater is right above it. It was kind of becoming a destination area for rich people to um, vacation in Chicago. So things are going pretty well, except for this one young lady. She Overbleached her eyebrows and eyelashes. Oh, n- oh no! eyelashes was a thing then, which is probably going to come back now that I've said it. And so let's just watch Instagram. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yes, clear eyelashes. Um, okay, so she she bleached her eyelashes, and she, then she's like, "Oh shit!" Um, so or th- probably that's what she said. And her brother. <laughs> oh, that's was what I would like, say. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
her brother walked in on her one day and she was she was had come up with a solution and it was mixing Vaseline and coal powder. And so basically it made like this black, you know, kind of slick paste and she was painting it on. And that's what people kind of used to do back in the day for the movies and stuff like that, but average everyday people were not wearing makeup like that. And lipstick was you know, lipstick and blush and stuff like that, or rouge, as they called it. Um, those were more products that you saw, like, being marketed toward you from makeup-wise. They didn't really have a lot of stuff for your eyes yet. So he was like, oh, my God, this is genius. You look like a babe. What are we going to do? So You're my brother. Like a, don't call me a yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You look like a babe, but like a babe that I'm related to. So One that I respect, and, yeah, we're going to step away. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. So, no, so one thing about him actually is that uh, what, what makes his story historically significant, aside, well, one of the many things is that he was um, a closeted gay man at that time. So he's this young gay man. So he may have actually said, like, oh, sis, you know, your eyebrows look great now. Like, good job. Um, so he probably said something to that effect. So. He sees her putting this on. He's really impressed. He notices, you know, there's. There's, a, I'm sure, a huge market for this, but there's not really anything out there. So he does a little bit of research, and um, you know, he's trying to figure it out. And in 1915, he comes up with his first product, which is basically what I just described, and he called it Lash Brow In. And mm. although like, as in as in like I N E. Yeah, yeah. It would be like Maybelline, but Lash Brow In. Little little wordy kind of gets caught in the mouth, but I'm guessing he doesn't stick with that. <laughs> Gonna guess he did not have a copywriter. He did not stick with it. The main reason being he got sued. Apparently, of the very few products that were already out there, that was one. It was already named that. So they were like, get off our name. <gasps> That's so oddly specific to like, oh, no one's going to have this one. I- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who who would have guessed that somebody else would have made that horrible branding mistake already? It reminds me of like in middle school when you're making your like aim screen name and you're like, yes. ooh, I have like a unique name or I'm going to put a weird amount of numbers and every single time it's like name is taken. You're like, are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> and then you have to spell things weird, but then you're, like, self-conscious because you're like, do people think that I don't know how to spell this very simple word? Are there too many Zs in the word girls? <laughs> yeah. How many XOs do I need to put before and after this name? <laughs> and, and, like, people would, people would put, like, their whole, like, social security number at the end. They'd be like... Oh, yeah. So you know who it is. It's like, the only which, reason... Which Brittany... It's the only reason I know my social security number now. And I memorized it half because of I, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you chatted with me on AIM, then you know my social security number. <laughs> so he did. He you know for as creative as his name was, um, it was taken. So he was like, okay, let me retool here. And in 1917, he came out with Maybelline. The name Maybelline. Um, is from his sister's name. Her name is Mabel. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, name it for the girl who made an unfortunate bleaching accident. <laughs> right. That's brotherly love. <laughs> also, no offense, but someone named Mabel, you know, it's not really glamorous. And now it is. Uh, right. 
<laughs> so he he, uh, he named it Maybelline, and and it was really interesting because at the time, and as we see now, all these other products like L'Oreal and Estee Lauder and and all these other products, they especially with makeup, they're named after the the person. You normally a man um, that maybe came up with it or or what have you. And he was he was really more like I I don't want to be in the spotlight. I want to be in the background. I don't feel like I need to name it after myself. You know, it has it's inspired by my my sister's name and this you know word that I've invented, and and part of that too is also the fact that he was gay. This was you know so before a time where that was even remotely acceptable. I mean, like going to jail for it and that kind of thing. So um, he really wanted to stay in the background. So Maybelline was born. And at first, they had a headquarters. Their first plant was in the uptown neighborhood, so on the, on the north side of Chicago. And really quickly, they grew um, into a larger operation, and they moved just a, just one neighborhood north, um, a few blocks north, to the Edgewater neighborhood. And they set up shop um, right across from a place called Sen High School, which is a really, really big um, neighborhood high school in Chicago on the far north side. So... They're right across from there. Um, actually, in fact, right across from their building by Sun High School is a statue. This does not have to do with the story, but it's also local history. And it has a, a statue of a sexy young Abraham Lincoln. So he must <gasps> How be young are we talking? His office view. Yeah. Is yeah. it like young? Like he's got like his shirts open and he's got an axe yes. in his hands? He, he's sitting with his shirt open, his ripped Oh my God, chest. is he really? Yes, he's sitting on a stump. He's barefooted as well, and he's like holding a book. Yeah. He's oh like, my god. He's, he's, <laughs> he's just finished chopping wood. He put his axe down, and instead he's sharpening his brain. He's well, strong and sensitive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I wish I went to I went to a Lincoln Junior High, and I wish that that was how Lincoln was depicted on all of our <laughs> middle school murals. Because I'd have probably paid attention more. Can I tell you something? Or less. Can I tell you something embarrassing? (laughs) So I had lived in Chicago for a while. And by a while, I mean a couple of years. um, And just never put together that Lincoln Park was named after Abraham Lincoln. No, it's named for the band. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like, I didn't think of it. And then there's this one, there's a, a building right across from Lincoln Park that has a huge mural of Abraham Lincoln and a hat and everything. I was like... Oh, and whoever I was with was like, what? I was like, Lincoln Park. And Natalie, it might have been you. <laughs> I don't know, but I know I was you, immediately shamed. Do you just assume that anytime somebody shames you for anything Chicago related, especially, that it's me? That may have something to do with it. Also, I was in a car and it was someone else's car. And you're the only person who drives me places. And it's usually <laughs> because I've torn an ACL. Or two. <laughs> or two. Uh, if you want another fun Lincoln Park fact, Cass, uh, oh, I do. in Chicago, there is a statue of Ulysses S. Grant in Lincoln Park, and there is a statue of Lincoln in Grant Park. Oh, Ulysses S. Grant Park. Wow. <laughs> wow. And that's next that's you're going to tell me Oz from this. Next you're going to tell me Oz Park is named after the Wizard of Oz. Wait, do you not? Are you? No, I know that one. I, don't know, I know that one is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie's face just looks so concerned for a moment. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's, it's named for Dr. Oz. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he is Back also sitting on a stump with his shirt open, reading a book with an axe next to it. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. And he's sitting on a stump. He's sitting on a tree stump. So it's like, he's like, just imagine. Who I'm knew? Look this... <laughs> This thirst trap in uh, Edgewater. Mm-hmm. So this was the view that Tom Lyle Williams, uh, founder of Maybelline, had out of his window. Oh, and actually, that checks out. Just yeah. like a rippling yeah. man outside of his window. I got it. Right. Specifically chosen for that location. <laughs> um, oh, hell yeah. That was uh, its, uh, on House Hunters, that was its its little uh, thing in the Too bad for bath must have a <laughs> yeah. statue of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. The sexier, the better. <laughs> yeah. It was called the Lustful Lincoln Property, was the dumb little <laughs> House Hunters game they gave, name they gave it. Listeners, if anyone wants to do some sexy Lincoln fan art, I would, and maybe some, uh, Fanny Pemberton is there too. Fanny Pemberton is of a, a long running uh, character bit from season one, in case of you new listeners. <laughs> I want that for me. Please make it happen, fans. <laughs> And if you want to read about it, you can Google Lincoln, sexy Lincoln, uh, uh, Chicago or Edgewater. And I wrote a story about it for DNA Info. So there's Wait, did you pictures really? galore. Yes. And yes. And you can actually buy a shirt online now at one of the local stores that says Edgewater, home of home of sexy Lincoln. Stop oh, We're it. sharing links. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I'm writing uh, for list- it. Listeners, either look at the show notes and or at our at our social media at SharedPod on Twitter and Instagram. We will be sharing links. <laughs> but um, thirst traps. <laughs> so that okay. So God, what even was we? Okay, we're talking about Maybelline. Um, <laughs> Where are we? What are we? Ta- <laughs> I'm like, I sexually think it is always on my mind. So completely, I gotta he completely derailed that. <laughs> yes. Ra- rail splitters? I don't know. There's oh, a Lincoln yeah. High School. They were called the rail splitters. Cause... All right, back to you, Lindsay. I'm going to stop talking about <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so during this time, so they've just moved to the Edgewater neighborhood in this bigger office. Um, they have, you know, their administrative offices. They're manufacturing it there. And in fact, outside that building still, there is, um, above the doorway, there is a like a cursive M um, etched into the wall still so there's kind of this small marker that that was once the Maybelline building since then it's been like a, a bunch of like different failed businesses but um, it'll probably be condos it, soon yeah, yeah <laughs> probably so th- this was a really really good time for him and for the company it was growing it, again it was like the roaring 20s and I think when people think you know it's like Portillo's music, like the 1920s, all the jazz happening, and Al Capone, and bootlegging, and and all this stuff happening. And it's a very flamboyant and dramatic time in Chicago. So a lot of stuff is flying under the radar, um, including if if you're gay. And which he was so and he was very uh, snappy dresser, he liked to wear fur coats. Uh, He himself, you know, wore a little bit of makeup and um, you know, he wasn't out, but people that knew him, you know, kind of knew. And, you know, but it wasn't a huge deal right at this time because, because again, he could really fly under the radar. So he was really living his best life around here. Um, and he did have a partner as well. Uh, I believe that his partner worked with him in the business. So um, I had kind of a yin and yang thing going on there. Um, and then... 
then the Great Depression happened. And wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Way to bring down the mood, Lindsay. I know. Yeah, just stop kind of before a- <laughs> you hit 1930. Oh, and that's the story. We're done, folks. <laughs> and the end. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it. everything was going well, but then in the 30s, things really changed. Um, two things happened. One, obviously, the economy turned down, so... Um, that was really difficult, but actually his business was doing quite well, and that was that was kind of a problem for him because now he he did what he never wanted to do, which was stand out. Um, you know, in 1934, he had a custom car built that he had seen at the um, Chicago World's Fair, and he had it delivered to the his, the offices in Edgewater, and um, you know, people were like, "What the hell." You know, we're going through a recession and like, well, you know, we're hiding potatoes in our backyard or whatever. And you're getting a car delivered here Um, and his fur coats and stuff like that. All of a sudden he just it was very difficult for him to hide and he was scared. Um, So eventually he and his partner, they packed up and they moved west to California. They moved to the Hollywood Hills and um, the the business continued Uh, from there. They continued to pioneer, though. They were the first people to have, like, ads where they used Hollywood starlets and, like, famous people at the time to showcase their makeup in magazines and stuff like that and show, like, before and after pictures. Did the did the company stay in Chicago or did they pick up and move to the company to Hollywood as well? The company continued to operate in Chicago. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so they might have opened another office there or I'm not – or I'm not sure, but I do know that the company did continue operating in Chicago in that location. Mm. Um, he himself and his partner just moved, um, you know, because it was it was just getting a little too hot um, for them there. So um, they they kept doing all these these cool things in, in terms of like revolutionizing uh, revolutionizing the makeup industry and uh, getting these products off the ground and changing the way that marketing and advertising is done. And a lot of that his partner was behind. Um, so then later on, his, his partner died, sadly, then they're, they're coming into old age here or, or more older middle age. And the company has an opportunity to be sold. He sold it to a pharmaceutical company and, you know, with the promise that we're going to keep, uh, you know, if I sell this to you, I want you to keep the Chicago place going. I want all my employees to go there, um, still, and I don't want things to change really, well, um, this company, of course, did the exact opposite. They bought it. Um, they closed that place. They um, they continued to expand and grow and grow. They were like this huge conglomerate. And he really began to regret the fact that he sold it, the fact that things were changing about it so much. Um, you know, now it's owned by L'Oreal, and it's called, like, Maybelline New York. Um, and one really, really sad thing about it is that basically his whole history, all of his contributions, all the true story behind it um, has really kind of been lost to history unless you look it up specifically, unless you kind of know about it and you want to look it up um, or you like Google Maybelline and read the Wikipedia page maybe or something. But um, like on the Maybelline website, if you go to their about, it, it says like, oh, it was invented by a young woman who... She was in love with a man who didn't love her back, and so she was trying to invent things to impress him, which is like such a bullshit watered-down version that does a disservice to the true history as well as like kind of insulting to women. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's unfortunate, but um, so, that kind of yeah. sucks. I know it's. Yeah. It, it, I know. I, I I hate that. It's such a. It's a sad ending. It's to, to such you know, a now, lovely story. Yeah, yeah. It, and he was really this titan of industry, this LGBT, um, you know, gay titan of industry that uh, people don't know about. And, you know, he could really, his story could have influenced or inspired, I feel like, so many other people. Or And there's many other, um, you know, LGBT people who have contributed to industry as well that, you know, maybe they don't have all these other people to look to. I'm you know what I mean? only ever referring to queer entrepreneurs as gay titan of industries. Yes, <laughs> I love that. That term yeah. is just like, it's solid. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's also, it's like also annoying speaking as somebody who like works in marketing. Like what, why would you water your story down to be like your brand history down to be like such a, silly more superficial story when there is actually a very engaging and interesting story about it especially like now right like People- especially with cosmetics like like crossing gender lines and blurring gender lines right and, like, yes. wanting to like why would you why would you water down your brand story to be like there was a there was a girl and she yeah. was like she doesn't like me advertising <laughs> is not about like product anymore it's about experience like this right. is how you'll feel or this is where it comes from and what yeah, a- and i want to feel like a gay titan of industry it doesn't yes. that's what i want thank you and it's so like i feel like when you look back at lgbtq history it's all like uh you know, being marginalized and being brought down and, you know, violence and all this stuff. What a great story of here was a gay man and the man in the 1920s who started a business and he did really well and he sold it. And he sounded like he lived a long life with his partner. What a lovely story. There's you don't ever yeah. see that in a lot of LGBTQ history books. And even history. and it even has right. like it has like the family angle covered too because it's right. like he he created this product to like <laughs> to help his sister who had done fucked up <laughs> her face. <laughs> yes, yes. I think Maybelline New York slash L'Oreal. If you're listening to us, which I know you are, <laughs> um, I think it would be lovely and it would behoove you to dig into this history and do. I mean, they could do a magazine spread. Yeah. They could do a, oh, my God, right. I love those commercials when they, like, go back to black and white photos and old, back in yes. the 1920s. And then just do this beautiful story because commercials nowadays are short films and not commercials. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Oh, my God, yeah. they would make buku bucks. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> oh, yeah. It also just occurred to me that, like, the brand now is Maybelline New York, and as I wasn't born in Chicago, but as somebody who was born Chicago adjacent and been in this city for over it for a decade now, uh, deeply offended Maybelline. <laughs> Natalie deeply will offended. only call it Maybelline Chicago from now. On. <laughs> yeah. Yes. the the um, The man who um, runs the I think his name is Michael Clayman, um, who runs the Made in Chicago Museum online, which is really cool. Um, he, when I wrote this, I wrote a story about this, and when he, when I was 
interviewing him, he said in reference to the Maybelline New York name, he said it was like almost as if to spite Chicago. For whatever oh. reason, it really just seems like a an animosity. And I don't know if it's because for so long, you know, they they wanted to um, you know, benefit off of the back of the contributions of um queer people and and queer entrepreneurs to, you know, kind of like whitewash the history, so to speak, and um, or hetero wash the the history and and continue to benefit off of it, or you know, my guess is that homophobia for the the long run probably played a role in it. I don't know why they got rid of the Chicago aspect. Maybe they just want to erase it so much, or maybe they feel like New York is more like cosmopolitan. I bet it's a glamour um, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then now Which- though, it's so interesting because. You see a lot of corporations doing the exact opposite, which is like pandering to the LGBT community oh, yeah. and queer. And, you know, it's like you see Boeing in the Pride Parade and it's like, OK, sure. But um, <laughs> these planes are gay. <laughs> Get out of Boeing. That's their new tagline. <laughs> Boeing or so- boning. Yeah, <laughs> nah, that was too much. Um, I like, I, I, I hate that New York got to take that over. I wish Chicago still had a lot of the credit. But man, do I love historical beef. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so petty and random and hardcore. Yeah. Yes, it, you guys. <laughs> you guys thought that the that the beef of Chicago versus New York pizza was played out. Wait till well. you get to mascara. <laughs> yeah, boy. Um, what an interesting story. I'm just so tickled right now because my story <laughs> just fits in so perfectly. Um, Natalie is usually the queen of segues. But this just, oh my gosh, this feels serendipitous. Um, I Please don't reference uh, anything that has to do with New York. Uh, so please don't bring serendipity into this. Okay. It's triggered right now. But Great movie. Yeah. That's okay on ice cream. It's too much. I don't need it. Um, so I want to take you from 1920s Chicago. Up a bit north to 1920s Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Christmas Eve, 1926. Yes, that's my birthday. Christmas Eve? Yes, 1926. (laughs) Good year, good year. Wait, were you really born on Christmas Eve? Yes. Oh, okay. Wait, what? I call it it Birthmas. So I well, feel hey, good about it. Hey, add this <laughs> add this little lighthearted, lovely story to you. I'm going to tell you about the history of jingles. Advertising oh jingles. Goodness. Yes! Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. This is me assuming... Uh, this is me assuming Lindsay's birth year based on what I know about her. But uh, just because I bring it up anytime my birthday gets mentioned, uh, I believe you said 1926. Yeah. Yes. Cast? Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, based on my assumption of Lindsay's birth year, I believe that would be her negative 63rd birthday. Continue. And I cannot do the math, so we'll say you're looking <laughs> yeah, great I'd... for negative 63. <laughs> Thank you. It's my Maybelline. So I'm born, I was born with it. So the. <laughs> <laughs> the first jingle ever broadcast on radio. Um, 
aired in Minneapolis, Minnesota area. It was General Mills, and they had the Wheaties Quartet sing, Have You Tried Wheaties? And General Mills was about to scrap Wheaties cereal. Like, no one was buying it. It wasn't working. They're just like, oh, we did jingle. What even is that? We'll air it. Well, they aired the jingle in only Minneapolis, Minnesota, and immediately after that, 40,000 out of 53,000 uh, crates of Wheaties were sold in Minneapolis. Wow. And it's like it's like a single test study. They're like, this is the only place we played it. Nothing has changed. So they decided to keep Wheaties, and they purchased commercial time to broadcast nationally. And Wheaties skyrocketed. And y'all know Wheaties now. All of your favorite sports peoples are on it. And yeah. everyone knows what it is. Um, yeah, I love a I love a good crunchy branny pillow. Mmm, so good. You have to chew but I, a million times. Yep, <laughs> I I love it more if it's being sung to me. So da 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 da. Know, da. Um, it would. So uh, so in the 1920s and 1930s, radio was booming. Like it spread across the country. It was a new way to engage people would do like teleplays you know people would sit there's pictures of people sitting around the radio and like in families it's it was the original tv and it brought everyone inside um but it was just ubiquitous um nbc which is one of the major i don't know if you've heard of them national broadcasting company nbc mm-hmm. anyone is no the same as ABC? anyway i think they're still around today who knows um they were the major uh, the broadcasting company. Yep, that's the word. Um, and they had very. It's what the B and the C stand for. <laughs> you know, I literally just said it, Cass. Why can't you remember? I would have loved. I would have loved if you had been like, "Have you ever heard of NBC?" Yeah, they were. They were like this national broadcasting company <laughs> or something like that. Just, <laughs> just be transparent. Yeah, explain acronyms <laughs> w- w- by just saying what they're an acronym for. Good. That's what Lord. <laughs> yep. What were you saying, Natalie? I was going to, I had a moment of, I hope that's what the N stands for. And sorry, it's Natalie Broadcasting Company. That's I own NBC. Yeah, you're going to have to pay a lot for that copyright. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in- look at me, Lauren Michaels. <laughs> please, please look at me. Um, uh, so there was, there were really strict advertising protocols back in the twenties and thirties and direct advertising during primetime hours was banned. It was, you couldn't do it. You couldn't say, Hey, we're Wheaties go buy us or whatever. So they found a loophole by creating jingles. So for an example, there was, I found this, there's a a radio program called The Adventures of the Jenkins Family. I have no clue what that is, but they had a sing-songy, oh my, it's Eskimo Pie. And I don't know if that was like, and then we're going to sing the jingle or if it's like, this is our little spot that we're putting in. But they would start to put in like fun songs, little earworms that people would just like naturally kind of remember. And they took off um for the first time the only way you could buy products before was uh in the store 
or a traveling salesman, Sears Roebuck catalog, like, like, I mean, I remember looking through catalogs. It, mm-hmm. it died out a lot, but like you would write it down and call it in or whatever. Um, yeah, the, the Delia's catalog was life. <laughs> Lit. Yes. It was, it was all one-on-one. You had to talk to someone. You got to physically see it. So the first time ever, they're trying to convince people to buy products without ever seeing it. Um, mm. Which, when you think about it, it's, that's, that's a hard sell, literally. Um, and so what they would do is they would just make jingles so that you would just remember it. So next time you're in the store, you're just like... Oh, that was a fun, I don't know what they are. Or like, oh, that's what Wheaties are. And it just kind of would make it stick out and stick with you. Um, And when you think about it, it's uh, insanely clever. If you look at old um, magazine advertisements, there's a lot of text, a lot of copy. They're like writing books about like, this is Maybelline mascara. It is made of Vaseline and coal. And what you do? And it's really Mm. descriptive yeah and if you look at some old even radio advertisements like some of them are like like novels almost um and so pretty they're verbose yeah (laughs) um it's it was a new medium we're learning uh so these were ways to kind of eh, who knows what it is we kind of have an idea but it also seems really fun and nice and i like this and then it's also it's also like think we have said on this podcast before uh that my brain like our brains are a vault for of for useless information uh and a lot of that information is like is song lyrics yeah like you remember songs for such uh, like there's i mean i don't have to tell you there's memes about like your brain trying to remember a song that you heard 13 years ago and like your brain trying to remember somebody's name who you met 12 seconds ago exactly and and it was there's memes about it it was it's real (laughs) it was i'm i was like as soon as you started talking about um maybelline and like advertising and all that stuff i was like oh oh my god oh my god i got so excited shut up and finish so i can talk about be done But they just they just work together so perfectly and yeah. and it's the it's the same Yeah, normally normally Cass is just hoping that I shut up and and finish so that she can tell her story. This was like a genuine excitement yeah. about your story that made her that much more excited to tell her. I was so like there there's so we had one topic, I don't remember what it was, Natalie, where you started telling it and it was so close to mine that I was like, shut up, stop, talk, stop. It's not the same yet, but if you keep going, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be this shut up. And this one I was like uh, I was like, oh, this is perfectly paralleled and I love it. Yeah, definitely. Um it was I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say because I know that we're gonna air this episode after it. It was our sports episode from this yeah, season. Yeah, where you were talking about the the Olympics that was held during it was in a POW. Yeah, camp. the PO the POW Olympics. They had canceled. So I was talking about World War Two and then she was like, Wait, no, shit. Mine's a mine was mine's a World War Two sports <laughs> story. Mine was the death match, which was a soccer game played between um the Nazis and people in Ukraine and people in Ukrainian uh work camps. And I was like, yeah. I was like, oh man. Um, anyways, yeah, and and just it was the twenties. It was like it was excess. It was there's so much commercialization now, mm-hmm. and all of it was like catalog and whatnot. So then the invention of the jingle, and that was just like marketing, like. 
boom, and it exploded. And 1950s was like the peak of jingles. And, you know, when you think of jingles, you kind of think of, I mean, you think of the songs you remember, but I always think of this very, like, Norman Rockwell idealistic, like, those long-ass mm-hmm. commercials. They used to be four minutes long, and they'd have full songs. Um, there's a like movie. at the bottom, and they'd be like a ball bouncing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was a really lucrative job. Uh, you could get paid a lot of money. There were famous jingle writers. Like, it wasn't, j- like... That was something you could be known for. Um, it was such a uh, high, I don't know, I don't wouldn't say prestigious, but like you can make money doing it, that copyrights would go to the composers, not to the manufacturers, <gasps> which is crazy oh, to me, me now. So That makes me so happy. Which is yeah, crazy. That's amazing. There's a movie, I forget what it's called, it's something like Far From Heaven or I don't know, it's with Julianne Moore and she's in this like horrible marriage and it's just depressing and she's just this kind of you know typical 50s housewife but she realized she kind of has like a knack for words and there's there's all these like contests and sweepstakes back then and in her magazine she finds one that's like if your jingle wins you get like fifty thousand dollars and if she's like oh i can get away from my husband or something it was basically like the movie waitress but for 50s and jingles (laughs) <laughs> and not pie yeah for those of you who have seen waitress and she like wins it and this was like people were making money doing this um it was uh in they, let's see it was like 1998 there was uh it hit a peak in the 1950s and then it started to kind of like go downhill by 98 like people were starting to replace jingles with like pop songs, whether like oldies mm. pop or like new pop. And then they mm-hmm. sometimes they'd change the words and sometimes it would just it would kind of just be a way of like, mmm, NSYNC has a new song out. And you know, yeah. kind of a way to propel artists as yeah. well as companies. Um mm. by uh by nineteen ninety eight, one hundred and fifty three jingles, there were one hundred and fifty three jingles out of one thousand two hundred and seventy nine national commercials. Wow. And then by 2011, after out of 306 national commercials, eight had jingles. What? Yeah. And it's it kind of reminds me of like we, we were just talking about it, um, how Maybelline, like, why are you why are you hiding the story of, you know, a, a gay titan of industry? Copyright, <laughs> shared history, stealing that. Um, <laughs> but because advertisers realize that, like, Before with Jingles, the reason it started is because you can't see the product, right? They just want to get the name in your head so that the next Mm. time you physically go to the store, if you don't know what you want to get or whatever, it pops out at you, right? We don't see the product. Now we're just remembering it because it's stuck in our head. Well, Mm. you know, once you hit TV times, we know all the products. And if we don't, we can see it on the internet, on TV. It's everywhere. It's impossible to not see what you're buying. So... They don't need jingles, really, anymore. They're kind of time-consuming. And they realize that people... Now we need to sell the experience. You know what the product is. We need to sell the experience, which I already said is why commercials are like short art films now. And if you mm-hmm. want to buy mascara, you've got to be like... like it's, There's like a voiceover of like, who are you? What does <laughs> yeah. life mean? And it's like, you go through this existential journey and you don't even know. you. Oh, in the end, you're like, oh, oh, it's mascara. 
Oh yeah, there's always there's always a Super <laughs> right, Bowl right. ad every year. There's a Super Bowl ad that you're like, what is this an ad for? Oh, there's horses. It's Budweiser. We're gonna throw. I got it. We're gonna throw <laughs> right. like, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, some sort of like dog adoption or like veterans or just we're just gonna make you cry and then we're gonna throw our thing in at the end. Yeah. Right. right. And like or like right now with like all the car commercials and stuff like that. That at the end you find out it's a car commercial. Yeah. And like. With all, but at the beginning, they're like talking about like COVID and they're oh like, yeah, family is important, and we're not going to sell you anything except our product and our which is a car in these uncertain times. Yeah, buy <laughs> yeah, buy buy a car, please, please. I, I have a new drinking please, game. Where anytime I see an email, an ad, whatever that says in these uncertain times, I just take a drink because I always have yeah. something to drink on hand. I'm stuck inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, listeners, I, over the house. listeners, I encourage you to play that game as well. Take a drink anytime <laughs> you see uncertain times in uncertain times anywhere. Anytime you think that you have an important email, but it's just your dentist letting you know what they're doing in light of these <laughs> uncertain God. times. Yeah. Um, rewatch, rewatch podcasting is a visual medium. Re-listen to this episode again when we're done and just take a drink every time we say in these uncertain times. <laughs> yeah. Um I want to jump back uh roll far. Um so the very first jingle um recorded was in 1926 Christmas Eve. It was General Mills Wheaties. That was the first one that was aired jingle. Yeah. Technically there was one there was um a song written in 1905 that was, it was like four something. And then in the fifties, they like repurposed it. So they're like, technically it was a jingle before, but it was used later. So that's a technicality going even further back. Technically the, (laughs) that's as high as I can get. The first jingles came from 16th century England. Y'all. What? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so air horns, yeah. air horns, but on a harpsichord, harpsichord <laughs> air horns. Um, so in Elizabethan England, this was Shakespearean times. So I read this in an article and I tried to find some, uh, some, some supporting articles. And I found something that's like, this is true. They may have worded it a little more to be like, these were jingles, but it's, I'll just show you. Um, so there were, um, at the time... So this might be apocryphal. Maybe it's apocryphal. It's a bit apocryphal, but not. there's a, a hint of truth, and it's just kind of a fun little thing. Um, so back in the Elizabethan eras, which was the 1500s, 16th century, it's when Queen Elizabeth was around and taking names. Um, so there were traveling minstrels like we didn't we couldn't listen to the radio and not everyone could read or play instruments so the only time you'd get to listen to music were when these minstrels or troubadours would wander from town to town and they'd sing and they play music for you and they'd put on little plays and it's like oh yay that's so great um when uh shared history's favorite topic when the bubonic plague hit <laughs> uh, people didn't Bubes. people didn't like <laughs> random people coming into their town um Hashtag uh, pandemic. (laughs) Um, So minstrels fell out of favor and they were kind of replaced by what they called town musicians um, or they were called waits, W-A-I-T-S. And they they played for town ceremonies. They played for special events. 
Um, they were just they played for free. Like you, you didn't have to pay them. Anyone in the town could go like, oh, they're doing a live show, or you know, oh, it's it's Micklemas. Let's go listen to the Waits. Oh, the Waits is such a good band name. Dibs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying the Waits. That's my name. It's my band name when I make a band. Um, and so, but they usually the the one article that I read said that they had sponsors and it was like the butcher the baker the banker i was like okay alliteration back off um (laughs) and they said that they would sing a little ditty about like mr butcher has the best meat (laughs) oh um and they would have to sing a little ditty about that specific guy and then they would go into their songs or whatever and i was trying to sing a ditty about that specific guy and his (laughs) nice cut of meat (laughs) (laughs) and uh and so I was looking, it was like really interesting and it made sense because, I mean, musicians are historically not paid very well for the most part. Um, and so if they, what? If, what? artists not making a, a decent living. Um, so if they wanted like a guaranteed money, they'd be like, hey, you want me to like sing about your meat? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was looking for corroborating evidence and... I couldn't find anything that was specific about like they would sing a jingle for a company or a business or a patron, um, but they were paid through the town. That was the only thing I could find that like kind of, but I also just like the idea of just like a dude hanging out, like busking on the street corner being like, Dave's meat is the best meat. And then like singing on the harpsichord. <laughs> and it's funny, Natalie, that you said air horn but on a harpsichord because a lot of these musicians, they were playing instruments that you could carry and wander around with. And like everything I said, and when they would name like the instruments, they, uh, they played hot boys. That's what they're called. (laughs) They're called hot boys. H A U T B O Y S. But there it's, it's essentially an oboe. If you go see like a medieval Renaissance. No, 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 no. We all know, we all know what a hot boy is. It's DJ Rip. This is great. Cause I know he's not going to pop off mute. So I'm just annoying him. Um, it's basically an. Is o- that what you thought? <laughs> all of us just My- jumped. Rip got too close to his mic. <laughs> we all just clutched our hearts. Was it because it was loud or was it because we're just, he's so dreamy? Oh. Okay, stop that now. <laughs> so I just, I really needed to mention that, that they were just uh, running around playing Hot Boys. <laughs> and that may or may not Aren't be all. But, so that's... Uh, dibs, by the way, for my band called Hot Boys. Oh, damn it! <laughs> Except it's spelled H-A-W-T. What, boys? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought it would be fun. That's a history of jingles. I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah. It's it's yeah. mainly because it's... Technology has changed so much in the past 100 years. In the past 200 years, our grandparents... My grandpa was a farmer, and he was, you know, driving plows that had, like... They were made of, like, iron. And then he ended up, you know... Uh, using combines where he could just drive it with his thumb. He could see airplanes. Like, mm. so much has changed in the past hundred years, and we've had to adapt marketing-wise. Like, it changes how we have to approach things, selling, connecting to people, whatever. So it's really interesting to see that the switch from print advertisement to radio to uh, television 
and how a lot of TV ads, no one uses jingles anymore, but some of the like staple companies, they still throw it in. And the people like us, when we grew up with jingles, we Mm -hmm. know what it is. And I always wonder about like kids who, who never grew up with jingle commercials. Like, do they know like what it's from or like... I don't know. What weird shit gets stuck in their heads yeah. out of nowhere I don't on a Sunday know. afternoon if they're not <laughs> singing about Luna? Right. Empire Carpet. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to play a little game. I've got Ooh. some jingles. And because some of them have the, the products in the names, I'm either going to give you like, here's a brand name, sing me the jingle, or I'm going to sing a little bit of the jingle and you have to tell me the brand name. You know, you could just do what we do for our openings and swap out the brand name with just the word history. Oh my god, that's great. Also, uh, when I was looking through our opening tags to do today, I was like, this is so perfect. And Natalie, if none of these are on the list, just start writing them down, okay? Yeah. Have we done Maybelline? Well, I was I just going to say, I, I don't, it's on there, but I don't think we've used it. So, in okay. honor of... Uh, our host Lindsay and her topic, her amazing topic. The first one: Can you sing or give me the tag for Maybelline? Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. So it's backward. It's maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe she's born with it. Oh shit! <laughs> Remember, it's like, oh, like it sounds tag. better my way. Right? Yeah, you think you're right? Yeah. It's, it's so. <laughs> It's so creepy and condescending the other way. It's like, maybe it's Maybelline, or maybe she just doesn't look like shit and doesn't need makeup. <laughs> yeah, maybe she didn't bleach her eyebrows, Mabel. <laughs> I ha- One of my classic staples of my brain workings, that's a thing, is... The brain workings. Um, like, getting things mixed up or backward or mixing things together. So, in fact, there's actually two jingles that I always put together and create a new jingle, but they're they're two separate ones. What is it? I'll see um it's um the betting experts and American Family Insurance. So I'll Oh I'll I didn't do, do American Family Insurance. That's a good one. Alright, hit us. Yes. Um I'll say American Family Insurance where dreams, where dreams. come true. <laughs> <laughs> I literally say that like every day. That's almost <laughs> better. Which it's supposed to be American Family Insurance. Um, I think that's it. Is that it? I think that's it. And then the betting experts is like, the betting experts, let's come true. (laughs) That sounds like the song from Snow White or whatever. Yeah. I keep starting to sing along with you and then remembering that poor Rip is going to have to sync these up and then going, ooh, maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't sing along (laughs) with you. Because I was going to have this where like whoever knows it jump in. But I wanted to give that one to Lindsay. Okay, um, let's get through these quick. Uh, McDonald's. <laughs> Anyone? Oh, no, Cass is frozen. Oh, no. Oh, no, Cass. <laughs> Cass is frozen. Am I still frozen? Now you're good. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyone who knows it, jump in. McDonald's. Which one? There's so I, many McDonald's. That was at, some of these do have different ones. Just any. Do you have any? Da 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 da. I'm loving it. I guess it's it. ba 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 ba. I'm loving yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Also, I think J Justin. I almost said just JT, which we all know JT is James Taylor. Justin Timberlake, <laughs> I think, was the first person who did that. Ba 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 ba. Uh, mm. State Farm. State. Farm. Like a good neighbor, oh, yeah. State Farm is there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what made me think of this game was The Office, Kit Kat. <laughs> 
break me off a piece of that fancy piece. <laughs> and you like cannot remember what it is. <laughs> Chocolate Chrysler bar. car. <laughs> break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Yes. Um, does anyone know Band-Aid? I am stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid stuck on me. Yes, I think yes. we have that for an opening once. Uh, I will I will also say that I once, uh, I, I, you know what? This brings it back to my Centralia episode where I said I that there was a musical uh, called Centralia about the city that's been on fire for like a bajillion, like 50 years in Pennsylvania um, that... Jason Geis, artistic director of comedy sports, wrote this musical about Centralia. He also wrote a musical called Not As Advertised, which was a rom-com parody uh, about a couple that meets at an ad agency. And there was a fugue. Stop uh, it. Yeah, there was a fugue. I love a, I love a good fugue. Uh, mm, you've got to. Uh, there was a fugue that used um, ad uh, jingles. Natalie, explain yes. what a fugue is quickly, because I've got more t- more brands. Okay, great. A fugue is when you have multiple songs, like like you set up basically a verse, you set up another verse or whatever, and then you intertwine them and have them layer over each other. Uh, Google Steve- Stephen Sondheim. It was just his 90th birthday at time of recording. Stephen Sondheim um, loved a fugue. Loved a fugue. Homeboy loved a fugue. <laughs> a few fugues. Also, well, loves loves a fugue. He is. Oh yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Oh, Oscar Mayer. Um. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is who I truly want to be. For if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me. There's also my baloney has a first name. Has it's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's M A Y E R. I love to eat it every day. Cause <laughs> if you ask me why, I'll say, cause Oscar Mayer has a way with P O L O G N A. And Oscar Mayer is actually um, buried in Chicago in the, um, what's it called? The tunnels? Cem- uh, oh, Rose Hill Cemetery. <laughs> Wait, Oscar <laughs> Mayer his- of the Wieners is yeah. buried in Chicago? Oh, yes. Yeah, so he has a very, a pretty nondescript, a very common, typical um, headstone. And in fact, the um, graveyard where he is is uh, filled with fam- famous people, including Sears and Montgomery Ward. Um, and all those, all those famous boys up there. Okay, so we're gonna have to go to this uh, cemetery, take a picture with Oscar Mayer. We also all need to go to the original Maybelline and find where the curse of M is scratched in. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then find that hot, sexy Lincoln. What? <laughs> so the 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 original hot boy, Abe Lincoln. The Oscar Mayer ad where they spell baloney. There was one from 1973. I was googling a lot of these or YouTubing, and. The, the it's like a little boy fishing is like na 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 not a great singer but he's four so who cares and then at the end there's a voiceover of like a man and he's like Oscar Mayer the best Bologna he says Bologna <laughs> not baloney and okay I've got two more that I really want to get to okay this one I'd never thought about it before and it blows my freaking mind hole hit me with meow mix. Oh no, I want chicken, I want liver, meow mix, meow mix, pizza liver. But please, not peas, but yeah. Okay, so first of all, there's so much to unpack here. 
First of all, <laughs> the I think the Meow Mix Meow Mix Please Deliver is actually one. The one that I Googled, it was like peas and salmon. Da, 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 da. The one you sang, I always remember from Austin Powers because Dr. Evil <laughs> sings that one. And I'm sure it's the correct lyrics, but it was so funny that the one I watched, the lyrics were different. And I realized I only know the other lyrics from Austin Powers. Also, <laughs> there is... Now, I may be wrong on this, but I'm pretty darn sure there is not a single Mount Meow Mix commercial where they actually sing the lyrics. No one has oh, ever sung the lyrics to Meow Mix. It's the cat saying meow, 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 meow. And they ha- that's you said the bouncing ball earlier. Oh, yeah. They have the lyrics at the bottom and the ball bounces. And it's so funny that everyone knows the lyrics to Meow Mix and they have never heard it sung. That is a really good point. Is your mind blown? Yes. Okay, and then this one. I I know I've talked to someone about this. I don't really remember it, but this one's weird. Do you guys know the Mr. Bucket rip? I feel like you might know this. Yes, yes. Hit me with it, Natalie. Oh, man. Okay, I always sing the second verse first because I know them both. But there's there's Mr. Bucket. Uh, Oh, shoot. It's Mr. Bucket. You put the balls in my mouth, Mr. Bucket, and out the top they will pop, nope. Mr. Bucket. Nope. Something like that. We've done it before. Because <laughs> I know. I knew Mr. Rip would know. No, well. <laughs> I know the other verse better. Because the you have the game backwards, because the balls Sorry, go into it. Sorry, it's Mr. Bu- bucket. Yeah. You put, like, put the balls in the top, and Mr. Bucket, out my mouth they will pop. Um, Thank yeah. you, Rip. Nope, because I definitely watch. Oh, That's shoot. the other verse. I watched the... I've pulled it up on YouTube and watched it, and there it felt like there was a weird cut, so now I'm thinking that you're right. No. I think someone altered it to make it... I think someone altered it on YouTube to make it inappropriate, because the one that I saw was, Mr. Bucket, you put your balls in my mouth, and Mr. Bucket, out my head, they will pop, and that doesn't make sense. That, yeah, yeah, that's bad. Definitely someone messed with that. And I watch this commercial every year because my Christmas tradition uh, with my Florida crew friends is we have Christmas dinner and then we go into the living room and everyone hops on YouTube on their phone and Chromecasts 90s commercials all night long. There is a And that strong, is always one that leads the night there, is Mr. Bucket. There's a very strong Florida community in Chicago and I can't help but respect it. Y'all come out and go hard, and I just love you. Every time, Rip, you talk about, like, oh, you know, a bunch of Florida people were over. We were doing this thing. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I was like, man, I wish I was from Florida. You guys do so much fun stuff. I have a friend group that we have a couple. um, They're both from Florida. One's from Boca Raton, and one is from, like, the Panhandle. And they they all went to the whichever Florida college is the Gators and they, um, you know, so like Connor and I will go over and hang out with them. They're all from Florida except us when we're in Chicago and we're like, Gator, like we don't know how to do it. And they're all talking about all their crazy Florida shit. And we're like, we love you, but we're we're outsiders because we're not from Florida. Uh, I, I, too, went to the University of Florida, home of the Gators. Chomp, chomp. <laughs> uh, and... I need to thank you, Cass, for 
you said the phrase that freed me of my curse. I wish I was from Florida. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it's so true. If I have to meet, if I have to meet one more person in Chicago who's from Iowa, Florida, or Texas, <laughs> we are we are prolific. Rip, it's so. I don't know. So when we were in season one, uh, Rip uh, did. He was our first guest. And he talked about Ann Kolb, the Ann Kolb Nature Preserve in Florida. It was our hometown hero episode. And I don't remember if you said it in the episode. I don't think so. But we were talking about either before or after about Florida. And I was talking about how, God, what was it? I was like, you and like so many people from Florida, you're talking about the, the, or the what's the baseball team? Marlins? The Marlins. Marlins, yeah. You're talking about baseball or whatever. It's like, man, so many Floridians sound like they're from like, jersey or new york and you're like oh no when you go to marlin's game you're at a mets game <laughs> i don't yeah. know it was funny at the yeah time. no well i mean that's <laughs> south florida that's all it's all transplants from yeah. like jersey and new york and it's very annoying it's <laughs> well, that's very they, annoying that's where they advertised real estate for florida i think i i think i talked about this in that episode yeah. they advertised that they advertised Florida once air conditioning was a thing. Right. They basically they advertised real estate for Florida in New York. Mm-hmm. And that's why there are so many transplants down there from New York. Um, Speaking of advertisements in Florida, one of my favorite local South Florida ads was for a, a furniture concern called Mattress Giant. And that jingle went a little something like this. When you need that ooh, I feel, come to Mattress Giant. If you want that ooh, I feel, come to Mattress Giant. If you need that ooh, I feel, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, only at Mattress Giant, ooh, ah. Okay. If everyone who listens weren't already DJ strippers, that's DJ Rip's fan club, they are now. Yeah. That needs to be my ring back tone. <laughs> yeah. I love local jingles. I so yes. I'm in Des Moines during the the quarantine and so I've been just immersed in um Des Moines culture. It's so rich. <laughs> but um so so rich and deep fried. It's such a You know, we fry our butter. They actually do at the state fair. Anyway, um, I was just like singing like jingles and I was Stu Hansen's Dodge City, see what Stu can do for you. Stu, if you're listening and you want to sponsor us, I won't say no. And I will change the hometown hero episode to be about you. <laughs> um, this, uh, that was a fun game. Oh, what was that? <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say your um, the story that you told and just this whole like discussion of advertising has really reminded me of um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Detroiters. Oh, yes. For the folks at home. Very good show. Yes. The folks at home that do not know Detroiters, it, um, it's, it's basically a show. Um, it's a comedy show about, um, a a young man, a young man, in my opinion, who, um, inherit, inherit, inherits a marketing agency from his dad who, um, had like built it up in its heyday and was like this really great place. And so now, now it's he and his friend basically trying to come up with, local commercials uh, for, for small businesses in, in their area of Detroit. And it's hilarious. And it's really them. It's, it's, gonna, it's basically an homage to the local commercial and to still coming up with jingles or at least very like poorly written and produced songs. 
um, and just like very obvious uh, or bizarre like storylines for a commercial. And if you hear and, and jingles, being, if you hear jingles nowadays, it's probably a local commercial. Like oh, he, definitely. There, I was thinking about like there are a lot of jingles, but they're all like local on your local radio station. That's the only oh, time yeah. you really hear them. And there's one in the show that like is stuck in my head all the time. It's for like a wig, a fake you know wig company that's in the the show, and they're like, "Oh, Devereaux. <laughs> it's for Devereaux wigs. <laughs> and like I I think about that all the time, and it's so interesting too because. They're just like this little scrappy team of two guys trying to make in the advertising business and and sticking to a lot of like these traditional or like low budget ways. And they're up against the huge marketing Mm. companies that have adapted to the times and they get all like the big clients and stuff. And um, each season they go to like the Detroit awards, advertising awards ceremonies. And um, it'll be like their commercial and then it'll be like five um, f- produced by the big agencies, but those are like all the same, and they and they all play on that emotional experience. Yeah. Like you're talking about, like it would be like a car commercial, and it's like black and white. Somebody like narrating it, like Detroit, we're tough. Yeah, we we pick ourselves up and we don't get tired, you know, or whatever. Like we <laughs> eat nuts and bolts for breakfast, and it's like, and then like it'll be that for the, the for a carpet company, you know, and so yeah. it's just it's interesting, like with the with the way that things evolve and get better, some of that originality can also like go out or the specialness yeah. isn't there like you see in a mm-hmm. local commercial. Yeah. Um, so we've been like alluding to like the experience kind of commercials and you get using like examples, but nothing specific. And I, I just remembered um, like a specific commercial that actually went like it, it's controversial and they still talk about it today. And so this is my example of that. Um, the Folgers Christmas commercial. Do you know what I'm talking about from like the, what was it? Late nineties. I think it was like early two thousands. And it's like, yep. <laughs> everyone's just cringing. <laughs> who knows what it is? So it's like this, this girl or like this guy, he looks, you know, he's just come back from like a mission trip. Like he's wearing a bandana or he's got like a pack and he rings a doorbell and this girl who's probably about, I don't know, 14, 15, wakes up and is so excited. Also, the guy's probably like 21 or something. Mm-hmm. She runs downstairs, lets him in, and it's her brother and you kind of like understand like he's been in Africa on a, you know, Peace Corps thing and it's early in the morning and we don't wake mom and dad up and they're in the coffee in the kitchen making coffee and he goes, there's the sexual tension is so hoard and he's like i got you a present and she takes the bow off and then she puts it on him and he's like what are you doing she goes you're my present this year and it's gone like viral people talk about it now because they're like it's it like she wants to fuck her brother like that's the whole thing of like the awkward family sexual tension and i've seen think pieces about it and i've read interviews of like the girl where she's like we did not intend for that. We had absolutely <laughs> no idea that that's what it was going to turn into. The editing made it whatever. And it was supposed to be like emotional. And, um, and but she, it just was horny. And it got <laughs> weird. That was, uh, that commercial was also a remake of a, another Folgers commercial 
from like the 60s or 70s or something like that where it's like basically the same premise but uh, a lot less horny and a much wider age discrepancy <laughs> it's wild when the 60s or the 70s are less horny than the, 90s. <laughs> the 90s were pretty horny oh yeah but like it was, come on man there's actually um there's actually a parody commercial that came out more recent it came out pretty recently i think and it was like the aftermath like what happened with after the parents woke up and it's like the parents come down and they're like what are you doing they're like nothing we're not we're not doing anything they clearly just got done like making out they're like you can't do this get out of my house and it's so awkward and so uncomfortable and that's it's very flowers in the attic and that is <laughs> yeah. um that's an example of a, a brand giving you an experience over a product <laughs> Yeah, that commercial is probably a root for a lot of <laughs> strange people. There's a lot of like, but it is interesting. It's like, will the jingles come back for something beyond like local companies? L- let's be honest, local mattress and <laughs> car and carpeting companies mm-hmm. and also like auto glass repair. Because you say when I, I listen to the radio all the time, whenever I'm in the car and all I ever hear is like, the Gerber collision and glass. We come highly wreck amended is what I yes. hear all day. Do you know what was what about safe flight? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. We're all so excited. <laughs> um, oh, so so talking about like um, Maybelline and like kind of straight washing this original story and how it's not smart nowadays since we since everyone is trying to play on emotion and everyone's kind of like capitalizing on um literally the trend the trend in commercials now it you like let's say it used to be like just get stuck in your head so that they think of your brand then it was like let's like tell this experience now i swear to god it's just i wonder if we can make them cry (laughs) should we make them cry because products, should we introduce? Should we have were, a Clydesdale befriend a golden retriever? But it broke its leg, and now I, the fish has to carry it into the bowl. I'm yeah, <laughs> should we have a an uh uh? Should we have a digital assistant help a cute old man with Alzheimer's that's, remember his wife? That's the movie Her. <laughs> oh oh no, that one aired at the Super Bowl, and I was weeping. No, but it's but it's interesting. We talk about jingles being at the height in the 1950s. And they were trying to sell assimilation. It's, this is the perfect family. This is what everyone should look like. Stepford Wives, this is what you should aspire to. And now it is it is kind of exploitative, but we are a celebrity culture and we watch TV. That's what we idolize. It is cool to see whether they're capitalizing on it or not. It is cool to see them broadcasting we're not trying to sell you the perfect family or an idealistic version. We're talking about inclusivity and like, oh, there are very different ways to live and to experience things. And I, I hate anyone monetizing um, a marginalized experience. But at the same time, it's great to get it out there to be right. like mm-hmm. normalize it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like the cheer, like the Cheerios, like the first. I think Cheerios was like the first ad bringing it back to cereal Wheaties. <laughs> uh, I think Cheerios was the first ad that had a biracial fam like couple. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I think they may have they may don't quote me on this. They may have been the first commercial that had like two dads. Yeah, well, and it goes back to uh, 
Oh, oh, uh, sorry. I completely, my mind just stopped. Uh, <laughs> it goes. Because you were thinking of cute commercials. Yes. It go ba- goes back to, um, oh my God, my mind just stopped again. What am I talking about? Maybelline <laughs> and, and, uh, oh my God, you guys, I. You're well, getting closer. You were talking about. Yeah, you're talking about normalizing two dads that Cheerios. it feels expl- yeah that it feels exploitative, but it's also helping in yeah normalizing. Oh yeah, no, no uh, I got different it. family structures. I got it now. Whatnot. Oh my god, you guys! I just I can't, I'm gonna stop talking because I'm gonna forget it again. Um, <laughs> Maybelline, like if they wanted to advertise and actually go into the original story, like that's the kind of stuff that I would like to see. You know, a gay mm-hmm. titan of industry, not about him being you know persecuted or whatever like it's really important to talk about you know the struggles that any marginalized group have gone through it's also really important to show like people just living as normal humans it's why Mm. i i i respect the need for like you know dramatic movies about coming out but i don't want every gay movie or tv show to be about like my family hates me and i'm coming out it's why i love shit's creek so much dan levy said that when he created, you know, the, like, the love interest between Patrick and David. Ew. He's like, I don't, we don't, this, the world they live in, Shit's Creek, doesn't need that, you know. Yeah. There's no need to come out. This is the world I've created. And as marketers, as television writers, as whatever, yes, it's important to show the world as it is. But it's also important to be like, nah, I want to write a story where that doesn't fucking exist. And the more people that see that... So that is where I do appreciate marketing. And it's like telling those, Mm -hmm. telling like, telling the story, like celebrating people without needing to focus on just like that one point in time. Like you can have, you can have a, a, a well-functioning a three-dimensional just, person with depth. A three-dimensional gay character in something and not have it be a goddamn plot point. Which also right. goes back to history. Like, mm-hmm. you look at marginalized stories or stories that we don't hear about, and the quote-unquote interesting part is, and this person was gay, or this person was a person of color. And right. what I loved about your story is that that was a big part about, like, kind of why he had to move and all that stuff. But also, he just thrived. He got to live his life for the most part. And it doesn't need to be about the turmoil. It shouldn't be. Right. We should celebrate that this person got to do a, a great thing and not make it, uh, well, because he's gay, now we're not going to teach it in a main class. And you can take it as an elective in college and, like, separate it as a niche subject. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, his, you know, his, him being gay was is important to the context of the story to understand, you know, what was going on at the time and, and yeah. everything like that to put things into perspective. But it certainly was not like his defining characteristic. It wasn't the essence of who he was. It was just one thing about him as a person. Yeah. And it know, definitely affected the way he had to. I mean, like, it moved through, moved through the world. Right. world. And it's also so interesting to talk about the 20s, the flamboyancy, the, like, excess. And so he's like, no one's looking at me. I can live my life. And then as soon as the Depression hit, he did have to kind of change his lifestyle. He had to move. That is a part right. of how the company progressed. But he's and still he still just got to be a gay guy to- being a gay titan of industry. 
Right. <laughs> and he wanted to continue like staying true to himself. And that's why he was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not get cars delivered to the office. You know, I'm not going to not wear furs. Like I need my makeup on. So yeah. I'm going to move to Hollywood Hills. And it's, that's what he did. And it's impossible to talk about marginalized groups, groups without going into oppression or persecution for that, whatever the marginalization is. But it's also so important to celebrate that that's not all who they were. They were a mm-hmm. three-dimensional human who existed, who lived not outside of that defining feature, but alongside of it. Man, right. I'm being profound as hell tonight, y'all. <laughs> yeah, you're on a roll. Just start putting all this on t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> without without that, like, showing the, the full picture, it really becomes just like... Um, God, what do they call it? It's like feel good porn. Like, I mean, grief porn. I guess it's all feel good, but you know what I mean. Like, it's like, um, God, what do they call it? There's a name for this. It, grief porn. Or, yeah, kind of. Yeah, like, like, like vein. this is us. They just want to make you cry, or like Pixar. Right, and uh-huh. they're just like you know, we're gonna have a movie. It's gonna be about like you know racial inequality or some kind of strife or some kind of oppression, and and we're not gonna like. It can be it can it can be so easy to make something very t- flat and two dimensional mm. with with and and have like a well, white hetero lens everything to take a very interesting story that. and water it down by just hitting tropes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's putting it's putting the oppression before the people. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Hashtag white right. savior. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. What. Uh, what a wonderful roller coaster of two stories that we told that like dovetailed into each other perfectly. Makeup and jingles, also, and we got a story about inclusion and and we've gotten yes. deep, but we've also gotten real dumb. <laughs> like, that is that is why I love this this podcast because we talk about we dumb Natalie, you and I in our we in our original like. Uh, shared history trailer we literally say we're just a bunch of dum-dums we are not historians yeah (laughs) but i think history can be very inaccessible so many people say oh i hate history and it's because it is so it's cold it's distant it doesn't resonate with people um a lot of times what people love about history is that it's exciting it's like oh there's there's war and fighting and all that stuff but there's there's such a way to make it accessible to make it exciting to make it make sense to you and that individualism everyone should know about that part and that's what i love about this show it's we can take something like a makeup company and dumb 50s jingles and look at it in the larger context yeah and i'm gonna have all these songs stuck in my head tonight oh 100 (laughs) percent. i've had i've had i've been i in my back of my head, when you started like doing a jingle quiz, I was like waiting for certain ones yes. and they didn't come. So now they're just with me forever. I was like, I I decided to do it last minute. And so I was like searching through stuff and putting them together. And I was like, I'm so annoyed because I know there are so many I'm not thinking of right now. I also know that after every jingle, we're going to either t- 
talk about it, talk about remembering hearing it, doing bits. I could have probably kept, I definitely could have kept going, but I was like, we do not have the time for this. <laughs> I, bet, I bet the time we spent on the jingle game was almost as long as each of our stories. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, just really offended that you didn't do... Uh, Alka Seltzer is. That was on my thing. That was on my list, and I skipped over it because I needed to get to Mr. Bucket and Folgers. <laughs> Natalie, can you tell me what the tag for Alka Seltzer is? Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. <laughs> okay, does anyone Thank does you. anyone know Baby Bottle Pop? Because I still know the whole song. Baby Bottle Pop, Baby Bottle Pop. Uh, Lick it, dip it, and yeah. shake it. Then yes. you do it again. <laughs> Yeah. Connor and I were just singing this and we couldn't remember that part as a way to look it up. Uh, oh my uh, god, it's so great. And and why did I think it's Big Mac, right? Why does the Big Mac have its own jingle? Wait, yeah. a, I always mix up Big Big Macs and Quarter Pounder with cheese like in life when I order them, I mix them up as well. So uh, until you pull a Mr. Bucket and put it in your mouth, it's Big Mac. To all be mm-hmm. special sauce, yeah, lettuce, special cheese, pickles, cheese, onions, pickles, onions, onions. Speed bun. Why? So why does the Big Mac? That's Big Mac. Right? I don't oh, yeah. remember that at all. It's it sung. Uh, sung it is to all beef patty special sauce lettuce cheese pickles onions on a sesame seed bun i think what? well if now, not that- that's just how we sung it in the fugue in the show i referenced earlier. <laughs> and they have an well they have an updated version that they do now it's like to all beef patty special sauce lettuce cheese pickles onions and a sesame seed bun my EP, my Big Mac EP is coming out that's, in May. That's another <laughs> thing that, it. that I didn't even touch is like um, adjusting brands, branding to different demographics. And like we went from like wholesome jingles to pop songs to now it's mm-hmm. there's a you see a lot of like rap and hip hop and stuff. And right. it's like uh, you hear a specific type of music. You kind of know what kind of product you're about to get. Literally, I always have a uh, Burger King commercial from the early aughts stuck in my head that is like super auto tuned. <laughs> that, like, it's always oh, stuck like in my when T Pain like, was big and everything was auto tuned. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like late, like late, like Britney, Christina, mm. early T Pain, and it's like. And it was just like, have it your way, have it, have it your way. It's like what's always stuck in my head, always. Rip, I'm going to do something super mean and evil to you right now. If you don't do it, don't worry about it. But when you edit this, can you auto-tune Natalie? (laughs) He's going to hate me. He's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Because now the people want it. (laughs) I'm not a good person. Uh, well, I love, I, we could, we could do this for the next several Honestly, hours. I, I thought the yes. jingle one was going to be fun and quick. I did not think it would generate this much discussion. I, I should have known. Um, dear readers at home, if you please, 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 uh, send us videos of your, of you singing your favorite jingles. Um, I will love you Send forever. us your favorite, send us your favorite, like, commercials with jingles in them bonus points if you send us you singing them. yeah if, but also just like i can't promise that we'll jingles. do this but if you just send us a commercial natalie and i might sing it together and post it 
No, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. We want to hear from you guys. <laughs> Scratch yeah, it. Yeah, we want you to send we want you to send us stuff. Um Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed yes. this topic so much. This was so like what seemingly simple topic was so illuminating. Yes, I, I really enjoyed this. I love talking about this stuff, and I have a ton of them. So, <laughs> well, you want to hear more about sexy Lincoln? You well, know who we do. We did say in our <laughs> list of guests, we just have a giant board that says nerds, and um, <laughs> Lindsay was on there, so we might just have to put you on more than once. <laughs> yeah, we circled the name several yeah. times. Do you want to do so homework? I'll- Come on our podcast. Yeah. How much? Uh, yes. <laughs> I also just love, I also, now, uh, if slash when we have you back, because I would love to re- get to record with you IRL, uh, we, uh, we, you're going to have to bring everything back to Sexy Lincoln. It's going to be a requirement. Easy. Easy. Yeah. You might have a topic you want in mind, and we're going to say hard no. You come back <laughs> with Sexy Lincoln. Yeah. Uh... If you're looking for pictures of sexy Lincoln, you can find them on the internet. Specifically, you can find them uh, on our our social medias, uh, Instagram and Twitter. I said them earlier in the podcast. We're at SharedPod. We post visual aids for every episode up there, plus a lot of other dumb shit. Natalie, plus, can I steal um, the, the, the email bit to see yeah, if I can yeah, get yeah. it right? Plus, okay, go. Uh, well, I was going to say, plus, uh, I'm st- we're starting a thing. I'm trying to be good about it this time for on the socials. Um, for Fridays, we've been doing Fan Appreciation Fridays where we, like, shout out, like, fans that leave us uh, reviews, whether on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or just, like, DMing or screen grabbing them listening to the podcast and posting them. So please continue to do that. But I am also, uh, we are also instituting some uh, further reading Fridays or further research Fridays because we talk about a lot of other sources and a lot of uh, m- movies based on historical events and documentaries, uh, uh, you know, documentaries such as National Treasure uh, on <laughs> this podcast. Uh, so I'm we've we've done a really good job of try of keeping track of those things, and I want to make sure we continue to share those links out. So yeah, also at shared pod for all those. I just have to say that Natalie, uh, quarantine's been rough. There's a lot going on. We're all getting through it, and Natalie sent me an MP4 of The Mummy, which, as we know, <laughs> is one of my favorite movies and comes up a lot. And also, oh my gosh, I saw a tweet recently that was like, um. Thank you to, like, specifically Benjamin Franklin for doing whatever so that directly so that we could have National Treasure. Like, um, and Natalie and I still need to do a National Treasure watch with Rip. We do. I've never seen it. But I have officially finished the Da Vinci Code. So, Ooh, that's a cool one. It's the preamble of National Treasure. Basically. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Usually I take socials and Natalie takes... uh, email every time and always looks nervous as she's doing it so i'm gonna see if i can do it now if you have any questions corrections or suggestions please email us at shared history podcast at gmail.com nailed it <laughs> that was me i was very confident and encouraging while you did it but i never remember our email address while i do it. i can see her <laughs> 
like fear in her eyes. Also, Natalie was just doing thumbs up as I was saying it. Just gotta be confident, Natalie. Uh, this has been a delight, Lindsay. Thank you for joining us. Will you join us again as we say to our listeners at the end of every episode? Share you later. What a mess. I love it so much. (laughs) Oh my good gosh, darn it. Thank you so much to our amazing special guest this week, Lindsay Rice. You were a dream. You can find out more about Lindsay on the internet at at Lindsay Rice. That is Lindsay spelled L-I-N-Z-E and Rice spelled like your favorite delicious treat. Among many other things, Lindsay is the founder of Pink House Media, which is a local PR content social media and photography company. She also owns The Ta-Ta Top, which is available at thetatatop.com. That's T-H-E-T-A-T-A-T-O-P.com or Etsy.com. And check out their Instagram page at at the Tata Top. They're a small queer woman-owned business that makes bikini tops that give the illusion of toplessness to promote equality, body positivity, and breast health. They donate $3 from each top to either Keep a Breast Foundation or Chicago Women's Health Center. So go pick one up. It is the breast bikini top ever. Lindsay, thank you again. Listeners, thank you as always. And share you later. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.